0: Start this like a little Wayne song where he goes like this, lights the lighter, then he goes. Phew. Never heard that before. No, you know, he always. yeah. Sometimes you'll just the start of a little Wayne song. Timmy Connolly used to love Little Wayne, so he got me into it way back when. Like I was a big. Here is something people would never know about me. I was a massive Little Wayne fan.
1: I know that Tim. Uh, I know that Tim Connolly. And now here is the thing. All I remember is when I was with the Sabres, and that was from 2009, 2010, 2011 season, okay? Three years I was with this team. We had the worst music in all of the years I played in the NHL. Derek Roy, who I love, who is the mini Don, we call him the Don, okay? Had the worst music in the history of music. You could take a 12-year-old little girl's uh uh iPod right now and and uh you know her iTunes hey. and then play it. That was Derek Roy's music. It was Lil, awful. Jim Connolly, the rap, Tim Conley the rap took
0: took me and a bunch of other people. His cousins were there, K Train, Pete. I can't remember who else went, but Lil Wayne just got out of prison. Okay. He was in prison for like drug and gun possession charges i think and he was in new york and he got out of jail instantly went on tour tim got me a ticket to the concert it was one of the most entertaining concerts i have ever been to in my entire life he started out like all of a sudden, like the red light starts going like, er, er, and then all of a sudden it says, please stand by for prisoner number. And then it like named off his prisoner number or whatever. And then had like the clinking bars and all this stuff. And and then it just looked like he fell from the top of the stage down to the bottom. And then boom, he just came out and oh my God, he was, it was electrifying. And yeah, if you watch the the, the show Ballers,
1: you ever watch Ballers? Uh with uh what is it Dwayne Johnson uh, uh the, the football? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I watched yeah. a little oh, bit of so that. that. Is that is still a, going?
0: That, well, no, it ended after season five, but it's now on Netflix. Oh, okay. So so I've kind of been watching old episodes of that, and the opening song is a Lil Wayne song. So anyway. All right. That we weren't even supposed to talk about Lil Wayne. I just had this lighter in my hand because I found it in the basket in front of me. So
1: hey. Andy ever been in a car crash? Actually, you know what? I know you have because you're a terrible driver. What's your point? I'd call my friends at Salino Law 800-555-555. Cool little moment last night
0: if you care to hear it. Okay? What what uh, what about? Got home last night, went and skated with uh, the team I'm helping out with in Amherst, my brother's team. Got home, didn't feel like making dinner. So I walked down to the village of OP and there's a place I've never been to there called OP Social. Went in, just sat at the bar, had a Pepsi and ordered the steak, not beef. They specified steak stroganoff. Okay. And it was out of this world. It was was absolutely incredible. And what place was this at? Called OP Social used to have a different name years ago. I've been living in Orchard Park for five years. I've never been in this place. So, sitting there enjoying my meal, watching the Monday night football game. And
1: what's that? You weren't watching football. It was on. Okay,
0: there you go. So, I didn't have a choice. It was by default. Okay, continue. So, Baker Mayfield blows, by the way. That's a little side note. So these two gentlemen sit down beside me and the one gentleman turns and he, he says, so what do you think of the Sabres this year? Turned and said that to me. I was just kind of like, uh, uh, he said, well, the guy beside me here told me to ask you, he, he, he knows who you are. He said, ask him what you think of the Sabres. So we start chatting and the gentleman on the end, his name was Mike. He, uh, his nephew this is how small the world is. This is what I love about Buffalo. And he said, oh, my nephew wore number 76. He lives in Virginia. He loves you. He wore the 76. Every sport he played because of you. I'm like, okay. Uh, you know. Then he says, you actually met him once. He had leukemia. And you met him at Chef's. And I said, wait a minute. I remember this. And he showed me a picture of the kid. And I and I said, is his name Andrew? And he said, holy shit, it is Andrew. He said, how do you remember that? That night he gave me, there was this, he was probably eight years old. And he gave me this picture of him. And it was like a, it was like a, um, a little like biography about him, like his cancer and all this stuff. And, his, and, and everything he's been through his age and all this. Yep. and and yep. And I asked him that night to sign it for me. So he autographed it for me. He had to have been eight, nine. I still have it. Really? I still have it. I, I, and I told him that I said, I still have that from that night. And I could never bring myself to throw it away. I could go find it. I'd have to dig for it, but I could find it. He said, man, that is unbelievable. He said, you think I, I'm going to send him a text and tell him you know, I'm sitting with you or whatever. And he and I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you just call him? So he calls him and he answers the phone. He says, Hey, uncle Mike. He says, this isn't uncle Mike. I'll kick your ass 10 times worse than uncle Mike. Well, the kid pauses and he said, who's this? And I said, who's this? He said, it's Andrew. I said, I know who it is. I said, I'm Andrew too. I said, I met you at chefs when you were eight years old. And he said, is this Andrew Peters? I said, yeah, buddy. And we said, we had a, I talked to him. Yeah. It was just, it was a nice, that's little...
1: insane. That's why you're, <clears throat> I will say this. And, and I know you don't like hearing this uh, stuff and you always go. deflected. Stowered you are, with you it. are this with great, big, huge grizzly bear, but you are the biggest teddy bear inside. You're such a good man. Such a good man. That, that, uh that story makes me, uh puts a smile on my face. And I hope that, uh, I hope Andrew, is is doing well
0: he is he's uh i think he's 22 now obviously goes back for yearly checkups but he is uh he's living a healthy life good for him so yeah it was just it was really cool because i i remember you know his uncle had a picture of it of me and him on his phone which i thought was kind of cool so it's nice that those things come back full circle you know what i mean because the night that kid gave me the card at chef's I had a, I had it and I put it in the console of my car and I just left it there. And then when I, when I got a new car, I, I cleaned it all out and I kept that and put that into the next car. And then I, you know, the next car, and then finally I brought it into the house and I put it in my, uh, my memory box. I don't have like, uh, I don't have anything in my house. and I know you've said this too, other than your basement. Now that would even anyone would even think that I played a sport everything all my years of hockey kind of kind of consolidated down to one rubber-made bin <laughs> that kind of sums
1: up my entire career doesn't it well listen i mean i was retired for i don't know how many years and you came over to my house that day with your with your little guy uh, and shit. um your little guy who's a nosy little bugger went into my back you know basement dungeon area just starts shooting pucks against the wall and stick handling because I have a shooting area back there. And then all of a sudden you came in a couple minutes later with a, with a couple bins and you start opening these bins. You're like ribs, why are these not out? And you were pulling out jerseys of players that I had played against, you know, the Yager and the and, and, uh, um, Gretzky and all these things oh, that whoa. were just, packed dryden yeah like they were all packed away folded perfectly in these bins but not anymore i don't know why i felt like i didn't want to express that i had played it was it, it was a i don't i i can't explain to you why i didn't like if you were to walk through my house and this was a couple years ago before you came over Um, you would have not have known that I was a professional hockey player for 16 years in the NHL. There is not one piece of, um, memorabilia or anything picture that showed me playing. And I don't know why that is. It was almost like I was trying to hide, uh, what I did until you came over that day. And we actually sat down and we had a great discussion on, man, this, this stuff deserves to be out. It deserves to be on the wall. I keep it. And I went and did that. I went and did that. And well, now yeah. my basement looks like a, a walking uh, so it's a shrine, man. It's it's unbelievable. It's I think I came in have. when you were shooting with my uh, with my signed Yarmir Yager stick, and oh, I was the, like, "What? Well, what are you the, doing?"
0: How about the Lemieux stick, though? I'm going back. I'm going backhanders with his forehand with the yeah. Imperial and Lemieux. you're
1: like, any he fucking signed taking, it on the blade. I'm like, why are you doing shots right
0: with your Yager stick? I'm like, how does he use this fucking thing? How does he get so many points? Yeah. Speaking of points and how does he use this thing, let's go talk to Thomas Vannick. I don't think he has anything in his house either. We'll have to ask him.
2: Morning, boys. Rivs, Andy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Your text messages are fucking awesome,
2: man. Rivs need to, he needs to get up earlier. re -re listened the episode before and then get his day going again.
0: So Van texted us last week and he says, I said, Van, want to jump on tomorrow? hell yeah i'll jump on and listen to ribs talk in circles
1: <laughs> just another douchebag you know <laughs> statement coming from uh thomas vanek those are just
2: feedback it's good just Feedback's slowly
1: good. chipping away at my heart <laughs> that's
2: all
0: right he's a critic he's just being a critic man oh, I, I hey love i'm still it. waiting
2: for it. the text back if you were in pittsburgh or not
1: <laughs> well you know Vanner, i was uh, we did, did go four and Not what? a bit, not a big deal, but I was, I was under the weather. I, um, we we had to drive there on Thursday. And when I was driving there on Thursday, I started to get a sore throat, you know, whatever, suck it up, buttercup. But then all the, the next day was worse. The next day after that was worse. And it's just like, then you text me, you're like, Hey, are you here? And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm barely getting by getting my kid to the rink every day. So <laughs> I was just, I was sleeping in the car. People probably thought I was completely plastered from the night before. Oh, look at this guy. He had a night. No, I was literally sleeping in the car in between games. I had a three and a half hour sleep uh, one afternoon in the car, in the parking lot of the rink. Yeah, it was one of those, uh, one of those weekends. Sorry, I missed you though, bud. Next time. Now you're you're older. You're who was there? You're younger guys.
2: I was there by myself working, buddy. No way! I was, was there
0: that first. Was that your first venture into the scouting world?
2: No, no, I did a few things here. You know, Minnesota is big, as you guys know, for for the junior scene. So, I was doing already some high school, but it was my first uh, traveling working experience. So,
0: and how's it going?
2: It was great. I mean, the USHL, I mean, it's been years, you know, since I've seen a last game, a junior game, and it was it was impressive. I mean, the the depth of these kids nowadays, it was it's really good hockey. I mean, the drop off from the best player to your so called fourth liner, which it doesn't exist anymore, is yes. minimal. It, it's That's crazy.
1: It. Well, I, I had an opportunity to to watch a couple games that weekend. The one game um was uh, Omaha playing uh, Smith- Muskegon, or I think it was. Yep. And um, looking at the size of these players and the skill of these players, like you said, the drop-off from the top player on each team to the fourth-line guy, the 12th forward, you can't even find who's the top guy and who's the worst player. Mm-hmm. They all, They all look really, really good um and it it's a tribute to to USA hockey and and what they've done over the 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 number of years but man was that impressive hockey they look like little they look like NHL hockey players they're flying
2: yeah i mean it it doesn't it it doesn't look far off from a college game right so i'm very familiar with the college game yeah and i mean the the speed was impressive it was a lot more physical than I thought it would be because, you know, I mean, we watched the NHL in college. I mean, I at least I do the college. You guys do the NHL. I think that the USHL is more physical than any NHL.
1: Yes, I and I was when I watched it, I, I thought the exact same thing. OK. And I was thinking the whole time. Where does the OHL? Because I obviously played in in the uh, in the CHL. I played in the OHL for Kingston Frontenacs, and I, you know, obviously the OHL was considered much much more physical than than a USHL league. And now I'm thinking to myself, I don't think that's the case at all. Like I don't. I'm I'm wondering how the OHL compares to the USHL because I think the USHL and the skill set of these players man, they have to be right there with the OHL. Would you not think, Vanner?
2: Well, I I can't speak of the OHL, but what I can tell you that I, you know, spoke to a lot of guys that, you know, I've known from the past and, and other scouts that have been in the game for many, many years, and they're saying the USHL is, is the top league right now as far as recruiting, as far as watching, and this, because the OHL, not that it's a softer league, but it's getting called a lot softer. Where the USHL game, they're still. I mean, they're physical. There's some hacks, and the refs are have a, actually a really good grasp of the game, and they're not calling one one call after the next call. They're letting these kids play. So it's really interesting you brought that up. But uh, by the sounds of it, the USHL is definitely uh, the, the junior league right now. That's that's the top tier.
0: Here. I would love to see the USHL champion play in the Memorial cup. Oh,
1: it would be unbelievable.
2: Well, and and if you're going to do that, you might as well throw in the, the, the BCHL, the British Columbia league, right? Because they went away from hockey Canada. So, so they opened it up a little bit more. I think they can have now more imports as far as Europeans and Americans. And uh, again, listening to the the, the people that have been in the scouting department for years, that league is, um, really really well well
1: know. i i had a buddy who son this year went to uh um, lowell what is that uh boston umass uh, yep. umass, umass, lowell. umass lowell so mm-hmm. i have a, i have a, a buddy from back home in north bay uh his son uh ben burnett is now at umass lowell okay last year he played in the bchl Now, I think the team was Penticton. They had the best record in the history of the BCHL. I think they only lost three games all year. They destroyed the league, won the championship. And I think there was four players, four players off that team that got drafted into the NHL.
2: Yeah. Like unheard
1: of. Like that's unheard of
2: it's crazy i mean it it really is like i said it's it's what i mentioned first it's the depth but then you look at the lineup charts and like every kid is moving on to the next level which is d1 hockey where when i played 20 years ago the depth wasn't there and half the team maybe maybe half the team went to d1 and the rest guys you know they were good hockey players but they end up going to a d3 school and just getting their education where now, now the junior league. I mean, if if you can make a team, you have a really good chance of moving on and continuing your career at a high level at uh, at a D1 college. So it was great.
0: So, so Van, I don't, I don't want to get too much into the depths of your job, just out of out of respect for the privacy of it. But can you take me and everyone listening through the process of scouting a player? Do you, I mean, I could envision you being a guy that just goes to watch the game and not take notes, but I could also be a guy that, or you could also be a guy that takes a ton of notes too. So where do you fall in that category? Are you there with the clipboard in the book or are you just watching saying, hey, I, this kid caught my eye. I want to come back and watch him.
2: Yeah, I, I think you nailed it on the head. It's kind of like I played, right? I, I, I didn't like video. I liked talking to my line mates and figuring out face-off plays. And that's the same kind of, Way I look at it a game now, scouting is I go, I do have notes if I really need something. But overall, I like to watch the game. And to me, there's no secret that everyone knows who the best players are on the ice. It's not like you're going to find a guy and be like, he's really good. We can get him, I don't know, in a later round. So there's no secret anymore. All these guys are smart. But what I like to look at is is the hockey IQ, because that's the one thing. All these kids are skilled. All these are fast. But I think a lot of them run themselves into the corner and make nothing happen. Where I, I like to look for it, you know, what did this guy do in the neutral zone? Could he make that little five foot, you know, area pass and lay it in? That that what translates at the next level? Can he pull up hit a late guy? So those are the things that I look for. And after the game, you know, make my few notes. I like this kid. This is why I like them. And then obviously go watch him again and kind of go from there. But to me. Again, you you can go online and and tell me you've never watched a USHL game and you can find the top prospects in the USHL and you'll be like, okay, these are the best players, which they probably are.
0: And the the thing is, is that doesn't always make them the best players on the team, though. They might be the most skilled and the most dynamic, but you have players that probably will get a point every other game who Mm -hmm. are just – solid defensively, hard on four checks, maybe just bounces don't go their way. They play a consistent shift night in and night out, and they're really good, well-rounded hockey players. They just might not have the statistics to go along with that.
2: Exactly. Or, or, you know, there's a few kids that I, I really thought they were good players, and I watched them for two games, and they walked away, and they had zero points. But to me, they were always in the right spot. The puck just didn't find them. So obviously, if they would have an elite centerman who would put that puck in that right area where the kid consistently was, he could have walked away with five goals. So those are the kind of things that I'm looking at. Is as you know, everyone, I don't know how to put it in a different way. I mean, if um, you know Celebrini, who played last year for the Steel, everyone knew he was going to be a top three pick. There's no reason to keep watching him and watching him. It's 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 the next year who can be close to him and maybe develop into something special. So yeah, it was a great trip and um having lots of fun with it. Are you running into uh, a lot of, I'll familiar. give you a
1: great example. So again, I watched that, um, that one game, uh, Muskegon against Omaha. Okay. There was a defenseman on the other team. He was six foot eight, 234. What What's that? Which on other Muskegon? team? Muskegon. On Muskegon team. Okay. okay. He's six foot eight, six foot which,
2: nine. Which other team? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like we're we're talking about a home team and the other team. I'm trying to figure out which team.
1: <laughs> which team's our <laughs> team? And then he was on the other team. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I I sit there and I I'm watching this player. He's 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 born in 2003. He's he's a 19 year old player. He's six foot eight, six foot nine, depending on what scouting. Uh, you're looking at he's 235 pounds he skated really well he moved the puck really well and i'm thinking to myself in in two three years of college hockey this young man could develop into a unbelievable defender at the next level due to his size and his skating okay and you won't know that until he goes to the next level the ushl is a stepping stone it's a stepping stone to the next level, which is going to be the uh the going to college. Well, look at Zidane Chara. Zidane Chara, when he came into the league with the Islanders, was a bloody giraffe. It was almost he, comical. Yeah. He didn't look very good. He wasn't the Zidane Chara that we think about for all these years where he dominated when zedena chara took a number of years to come into his own into this league and when he arrived it was something that we've never seen before zedena chara was 6 foot 9 100 and you know 230 pounds and he was a player that we've never seen before he was a player that killed penalties he was a player that played on the power play he was a player that played against the top players on the other team he was a leader, he could fight the toughest player in the National Hockey League. We've never seen a player like Zidane Chara.
2: But I, I know Zidane, I don't know him well, but I know him good enough. But you know what is crazy about that is the reason he got better and better because of his skating, right? And he filled his frame in and blah, 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 so on. But he didn't get a, a skate that fits him until he went to the Islanders. So from 12 years on, he's... A beast and he's playing you know he probably should have had a size 12 skates and they didn't have that in slovakia so he was crammed into a size nine so i mean pretty tough to improve your skating when you're six eight six nine and you're playing on on in boots that don't fit your foot right so yeah there's there's uh which nowadays it doesn't exist i mean these kids have custom-made sticks skates Everyone fits them, so that's why I do think the skating nowadays is so much better. Yes, do the kids work on skating more? Of course they do, but like Riff said, there's a lot. I mean, it's it's a copycat league, right? The Vegas wins with D that are all huge and and lanky and and rangy, and that's a trickle down effect. I mean, the USHL you still had some small defensemen that were skilled and fast. But a ton of them, six three, six four, six five, six, six. It's just it's a trend. That's the way it goes.
0: Riv just asked something. I wanted to I wanted to stay on that topic. I but in a matter of seconds, I forget what it is. Are you seeing any familiar faces when you're scouting? A lot of old teammates, a lot of guys you played again. I mean, you played on eight teams for crying out loud. You you must be crossing <clears> paths <throat> with tons of guys still in the game.
2: Yeah. It was um uh, it was great, actually. You know, I don't I spend most of my time at the rinks here in Minnesota and the guys that I've known, I see all the time, but going to an event like this, it was like a reunion for me. Like the the first you walk into this building, I'm like, Oh, I know him. I know him. I know him. And like you said, Peter, when you play for eight teams, you get to know a few more people. So uh, no, it was great. It was great to see uh, former teammates, you know, former guys that were in the front office when I played for teams and catching up. So ran into soupy,
0: soupy well every
2: every guy soupy campbell every guy named only soupy campbell i know yeah brian campbell so yeah ran at the helm
0: i assume he didn't offer to buy dinner
1: i was talking with uh craig button went up to mr button and uh uh said hi to him and uh we had a great talk so he's uh he was definitely there that weekend watching all these young bucks so there was a lot of people there, a lot it's, of scouts there.
2: You know, and the other thing that I walked away with is these are the kids first two regular season game in a showcase event. I don't care if the kid has played two years of junior hockey or it's his first game. They must be scared and nervous, just sh- shit in their pants. I mean, this is a small rink the the in Pittsburgh. But beautiful Two two ice sheets, beautiful facility. The Penguins built there in Cranberry, but. You go out for warm-ups and look up at the stands, these 17, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds look up, and I'm not shitting There's 500 guys with uh, papers, pens, notebooks, laptops. It's got to be nerve-wracking. I, I don't care what, what anyone says, but you know, to, to scout them this early in the season when they were nervous, it's not an easy thing. In my opinion, did you
1: felt feel pressure when you were that age?
2: I, I don't remember ever being put in a situation like that. They they didn't have this 20 years ago. They showcases. I mean, we were we still watching you. They're I know still but, watching
1: you. I used to go to tournaments and my dad used to, my dad never said a whole lot to me. He just kind of would, come up to me when we went to big tournaments and he would be like there's a lot of eyes on you today just go out play your game and and don't worry about anything
2: yeah no i no i didn't i, I never thought of it once i think it was my my junior year in high school i think i i don't even know where the game was played maybe des moines actually they had like a preseason tournament and after games, like a couple college scouts would talk to me. I'm like, what are they doing? Like, I'm still in high school. I didn't even understand the process. So I was probably too ignorant to, to know that anyone's watching. Oh. But now with social media, I think it's plastered all over. I remember
1: uh, in Kingston, it was my first year. I was 17 years old. I remember a couple of the guys at school um, came up to me and said that you're on – You're on the first central scouting uh, ranking. You're in the first round. And I looked at these guys and I said, I don't don't understand what you're talking about. What does that even mean? I didn't, we, we had no access to anything. You just basically played. You went to school and then you went to the rink. And that was it. There was no going on the internet. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have phones. We didn't have anything. Didn't have social media looking up what the statistics of this guy and that guy. Um, and someone brought me a paper. They brought me the Kingston paper and on the sports page, they had the first round of central scouting for Ontario. And I was ranked in the first round and I didn't even know what that meant. I'm like, what is this even for NHL? I swear to God that I, when I was in Kingston going into the OHL solid finish to the year, you went in the third round that, but that was overall PD. I'm just This, this right. central scouting was in Ontario alone. Then you bring in the Western, all of Canada, all of and the states. And then you bring in the
2: Euros and boom, the Euro. Reds And in the
1: 1992 NHL draft, it is known as the European invasion. It was the first year. Now, there was players drafted uh, into the NHL before that. But in this year, there was 10 or 11 or 12 European players that got drafted in the first round, second round, third round and all the way through the draft and that had never happened before. So when I was ra- when I was rated to go in the third round, my agent told me that most likely I'm going to be going in the sixth round because everything was going to be pushed back this year because of the influx of all these European uh, drafted players. Right. But so didn't
2: slide, You didn't to... slide that much then. All right. That's yeah. You should have entered uh, Listen, entered a 91 draft.
1: There was first and second round guys that were still on the board when I was drafted, which I thought was, was pretty cool. But anyway.
0: Uh, Thomas, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, we had a conversation about star players on the penalty kill. It sounds mm-hmm. like Toronto wants to use Austin Matthews to put him on the penalty kill. Craig and I had a discussion. Not sure Craig's a fan of it. I swore that later on in your time in Buffalo, I saw you on the penalty kill. Um, But I also said to Craig yesterday that maybe they're doing it to generate, to potentially generate more offense. Is that even possible to generate offense from a penalty kill?
2: Well, i for some players, it is. I mean, the the Bergeron Marshon. I think they were just as effective on the penalty kill than power play. But you're talking about one pair. Uh, I can't think of another pair that's as effective as those two. Can you generate? Yes. Um, I, I didn't listen to it yet, so I don't know what Ribs had to say about it. But to me, it's it's. I think your top guys maybe play them in the power play or PK at the end of the game, you know, last 10, 12 minutes, if you're down a goal and you can, you can kind of fly him and cheat him. But besides that, th- those to me, PK, may- maybe that's the old school in me. And that's how Lindy was. I, there are certain role players. They have to eat their minutes. And those are minutes they have to eat. You know, the, the Paul Gostets that we played with, that was his role. Why would I take away from his role when my role was, you know, hopefully be out in the power play for a minute, 15 and, and generate offense that way. So I wouldn't play Austin Matthews too much on a PK. I mean, let him play two minutes on the power play. Where do you think he's going to be more effective? That's kind of how I see it. That
0: was exactly what Craig was saying yesterday. So did you, so correct me if I'm wrong, were you not killing penalties at the end of your career here in Buffalo? Uh,
2: a little bit, maybe only if, if, if goose was hurt or Pisey was hurt or
1: Greerzy. You know, if, guys like if that. If somebody I was hurt, hurt, then
2: you know I, I slid in every once in a while in the third pair, but no, it was not something, and I was completely okay with it. I, I knew that was not my strength. I knew uh, Caletta and those guys that were way better at it. So that was that was my time to sit on the bench, cheer them on, and then tell them to go block another shot. So I had no issues with it, and I, I still think in today's game there's nothing wrong with having those so-called, you know, role guys eat those minutes up because then a, a guy who plays six, seven minutes, five on five, well, he can play maybe another three, four minutes on a PK and, you know, carve himself a pretty good career out of that.
1: I, uh, and it I keeps the uh, team agree. I, I think too, you have to realize that in, in today's game, the game is super fast. This, the game is played at a completely different level than even 10 years ago when I was playing. Okay um when when you take a player, a star player in the league, we're talking about Austin Matthews because they said in Toronto that they're gonna try and get him more minutes on the peak uh, on the on the penalty kill and my my thought is why why he already plays 20 minutes a night uh you know, a five on five and on the power play. why would you take away from a player that might be a fourth line guy and and let me tell you something we we talk about first, second, third, fourth lines in this league. Let me tell you, the fourth line guys in this league are insanely insanely good hockey players, okay? My thought is to give a few more minutes to those guys where you're not taxing and 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 fatiguing your elite players and now they're going to kill penalties? I just don't see I don't see why the need like I can see if the night turns into where your team is killing penalties all night and you're just having one of those nights, you got to get your best players on the ice. So that's right. when you want to play your best player. And I'm okay with that. But on a regular game, you have your power play specialists. And if you want to play Austin Matthews, just like Banner said, two minutes, then do it. Cause you're going to yeah. have a better chance of scoring.
2: Right. But the only thing I would say, PK. right. The PK, maybe, you know, you got your top two guys that go out, kill the first 40 seconds, then your second unit comes on, say they do a good job, and they, they ice the puck down, and there's 20 seconds left in the PK. Then I will come back with a, a Matthews and Marner. You know, there's 20 seconds. By the time they the other team breaks it out, You you're going on offense.
0: We had the conversation yesterday. I said that I was going to mention it to you, so I just mentioned it to yeah, you. Yeah,
2: no, it's a good question, but – I know you guys touched on it. I don't know when it was on the rule change that some guys were talking about on the PK that you can't ice it anymore.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm I'm pretty sure Riff said it's the stupidest thing ever.
1: And that's only in the States, right? Here here in the United States, you're not allowed the USA hockey for you sports. You're not allowed to ice the puck on the penalty kill. Okay. In Canada, youth sports, you're allowed to ice the puck. So here's the thing. They want to try and make players make plays to make them more skilled.
2: Right? It's so and dumb though. Because here's the problem.
1: You know what, you know what the kids in the US do still? They ice the puck and it slows the game down. Nobody on a penalty kill is going to try and dangle out of the zone or or flip a puck out or they're going to ice it. So it makes the game a lot longer. Right? Well 100. So... percent
2: But at the same time, sorry, PD, no, you, you were you were a PK guy. To me, icing the puck, that's a skill. That's making a play. Like finding that opening, using the glass, or shooting it out through the middle. That's that's a good hockey play. Now we're trying to teach kids to Throw pizzas up the middle and find your teammates uh, on, on the PK? I, I don't. I mean, I hope they don't bring it into the NHL because, like Riff said, he coaches you, I've done it, and it, it's 25-plus it's more whistles that are unnecessary.
0: Well, the, the Amherst 9U team that I'm helping, there was a game on Saturday, and they're shorthanded, and they dump it down, and, and one of our players was going to be first on the puck. He was going to beat everybody. On who was on the power play and the other team to the other end, and then they yeah. blew it down. And I'm I'm on the bench. I'm like, I said to the ref, we just talked about this literally the day before on the show. And I completely it's... forgot about the rules. Like, I was like, what happened there? Why <laughs> blew it down? I said, We're short-handed. And my brother oh, he goes, Andrew, that's uh that's the rule. USA hockey, you can't mm-hmm. ice the puck shorthanded. And I it instantly clicked that that's what Johnny Goudreau was talking about. I've just never seen it or been screwed over by it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, so here I am. I'm, it's like this is the stupidest fucking rule that I've ever seen. We would have just burned a solid twenty seconds off the clock because it would have taken these kids fifteen to get back up the ice.
2: Yeah, uh, it's 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 a dumb rule. I hope the NHL does not adapt to they won't. The youth. They, they can't. I, I hope not. And then I know the other rule you guys discussed is the old trapezoid they bought in for the goalies. Mm -hmm. And you guys were on the, on the fence to keeping it the way it is.
0: Well, Riv convinced me out of it because I want to see, see it gone. I would like to see goalies come out and play the puck, but then, but then he also made the point of, it also takes away from scoring. Because these
2: how do, see, can- see, I, I I listened to it and I understand the point Rivs is making, but at that time we we're talking about one goalie. It was Marty Brodeur. The rest, the rest, go ahead and play it. Most likely it generates more offense because they don't know how to handle a puck and they would just chuck it around. It was Marty Turco and, and Brodeur who were great at it. The rest of them sucked. Go ahead and go in the corner and play it.
0: Do you remember I mean, a guy that played for the Penguins, the Moose? I think Hedberg was his Hedberg, name.
2: Yeah. Johann Hedberg,
0: yeah. Johan Hedberg. Johan Hedberg. I don't think there was a guy that could shoot the puck as a goaltender better than him.
2: <laughs> I do remember him. Absolutely- I think he ended up going to Atlanta. We played against him. But in today's game, it's, it's not like when they brought it in where defensemen could you know, hold up the forecheck and give the goalie time to go get it and make a good play. I feel like in today's game, it's 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 the clutching and grabbing is gone. Like, you want to go in the corner, one of those little fast fuckers is going to get there pretty quick.
0: Yeah, turn it over. It's not like yeah. when Millsy would go out and play the puck and be like, no, leave it, just leave it.
2: <laughs> just stop <laughs> it and go back in. Yeah. Don't shoot it around the boards.
1: <laughs> I think there's so much scoring in the game nowadays, and that's what it's all about. Like, these players are there to entertain, and when you, when you entertain... The most enjoyable games to watch are ones that have tons of goals. So why would we want goaltenders that ultimately can pass the puck and shoot the puck as hard as a defenseman with a normal stick? Like these goaltenders are superhuman. They can come out on any area of the the ice, grab a puck. The defensemen don't even have to go back. The forwards can stay at the far blue because they know that they have a goaltender that can whip a puck up the ice within one second that to me takes away from offense and when you're taken away from offense i think that's a rule that you want out of the game still
2: yeah I, just, I, I don't think it would make a difference but i, I don't care either way that would absolutely
1: make a difference Fanner. when you have a four when you have a goaltender that has the ability to go out on on when someone's dumping the puck and the forwards that are four checking can't get there because the but why can't get is... there.
2: You can't hold him up anymore. Why, why can't he get there? Because It's, the not, like, it's not like, it's not like with Marty Berdur, where Scott Stevens just gave you a cross check across the chest or Danico and you couldn't get there and get, he and Marty had two, three seconds to make a play. No, I, I think, think you're you've... still
1: going to have two, three seconds to make a play with, with a lot of these goaltenders. And I don't want the goaltenders even touching the puck because now it takes away from a forecheck for the forwards, where you can trap teams in the zone and maybe create more offense. That's it.
2: Yeah. Either way, what other rules are they trying to implement? Did you guys see in I... Europe the the referees now have to talk post game interviews? Oh,
1: that's no awesome. way.
2: I think the finisher, the Swedish league. I don't know which one it is they implemented it where the head refs have to do post game interviews.
0: Oh, that is so awesome.
2: <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> that is
0: so awesome. I think it should be done in the NHL. I really do.
2: I, yes. I think there what's what's wrong with just like, you know, players have to stand there and and get carved or answer I'll tell questions you why. that you don't want to answer?
0: Cuz these refs will be dead the minute they leave the rink because some guy just lost. 25 grand pauly. <laughs> <auto. laughs> it just cost me 25 grand pauly. A uh, late penalty. A
1: uh, late penalty in overtime.
2: Uh, Again, yeah. I
1: don't I don't like that idea at all having refs what? go <laughs> listen. I mean we're getting robotic with the calls to begin with. I think the enjoyment of this game is having some semblance of human error in the game. Yes, humans will make mistakes. Do we want to sit here and go to the video? Let's go to Toronto so they can make that call. Why'd you throw Rivet out of the game?
0: Well, you know what? To be honest with you, he was, uh, you know, he was a little feisty all game. Got a little fucking mouthy. So I tossed him. I'd had enough of his shit. And I gave him a bench minor, gave him a game. And I said, hit the showers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No,
1: I don't like that. Uh, Although when you watch a football game banner, it seems like those refs are brilliant. Like these, these players are running in in, in, in real time and they just seem to get things right. And when they don't know, it goes back to replay and it takes two seconds for these guys to make a decision and the games going on. Do you, do you agree on that?
2: No, I, I agree. I think they're geniuses. I mean, I, I don't know the ins and outs of football and the holdings. I mean, I can see the obvious ones. But it's impressive. Yes. They're standing there, and all of a sudden, you know, they throw their flag. I'm like, what the hell is that for? They showed the a replay, and sure enough, you know, hand around the it's face crazy. mask or whatever it is. I mean, With so much, on, right? yeah. so much chaos
1: going on, right? so much chaos, <laughs> these guys are able to pinpoint these <laughs> these holding calls or obstruction calls. It's it's just they get it right there. Yeah.
2: Again, yeah. I, I think they've cleaned that game up. Rules pretty have well, changed, still, and I think it's for the yeah. better, right, Vanner? Like, I mean, hundred percent. Yeah.
1: So it's can the, I, can I um, go on another, uh, I'm just going to go on a little rant here.
2: All right. Just, I need a break let, anyways.
1: Just let me, let me go here. And Vanner, you're, you're going to, I'm going to be asking you a question here in a second.
2: Yeah, I'll pay attention.
1: So I just get a, a it's going to be a 10 minute question, Van. get a text yeah. from my uh, oldest son. He had practice this morning. Two broken sticks. One is only is only a week and a half old, two weeks old. Two sticks are broken. These sticks today suck shit. This is a $350 stick without tax, okay? And, I, and my son has used it maybe less than seven times, eight times on the ice, and it's broken already and broke the other one. Like, what, when is this going to, when is this going to stop? Like, what's going to, what's going to have to happen, Vanner? Cause I'm sure you're going through it with your son. Okay. But I mean, the amount of money that's being spent on hockey equipment in general is, is killing this game.
2: Well, it's, it's, the game isn't for everyone, right? Like they like to say. Because for the reasons you just said, I mean, I just bought new skates for all three of them not too long ago. And I walked out of a bill over, I don't know, two grand thousand bucks. Yeah, I think, you know, for, for my oldest, the seniors are probably eleven hundred twelve hundred. Yeah. The other two are still. And well, I guess seniors, too. But I didn't buy them. I cheaped out. I didn't buy them the, the top of the line because the middle of the line is just fine because they're still growing like crazy but even those are, you know, 600 bucks. So it's, uh, but at least the skates last for a year so I can get a wave of it and be like, okay, they're fine. They're not, I'm yeah, not kid's buying it every six weeks. Growing. I'm okay. They're, they're kids, fine. But the sticks, kids. go ahead, Petey. No, I was
0: just going to say your kid's foot stop growing. Think about the parents who have to re-up re, re up every every year and a half or so, but go ahead, go with the sticks, carry on with the sticks.
2: But the sticks, is it's what Riff said, it's, it's insane. Like, I've coached, God, for five years now, four years, coming up on five, I think. And I, I feel horrible, right? Like, I like to practice one-timers because I think, and, and I encourage, you know, the slap shot because I use it a ton. And I think it's a it's a great tool to have and a great shot to have, especially for the wingers coming on the outside. There's no play to be made. Yeah. Instead of just wristed on net, so it's a shot on goal, which to me is a turnover, you freaking bomb it. And then you practices, and the kid breaks a stick, and you're just like, "Oh, that's if <laughs> you feel horrible because you, you know." And the
1: amazing thing, and I've <laughs> and I've witnessed this for many years. You're sitting, you're sitting watching these kids play, and then you have a kid that goes out for a shift, and he breaks a stick, mm-hmm. and you can immediately look at the parent in the stands, and you can <laughs> see the the dad or the mother just go, oh, "God." you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have an extra $350 to buy another stick because we do it multiple times a season. It's just so like the sticks are getting more and more and more expensive and they're lasting less and less and less. You get, yeah. you get a month, you get a month warranty on these sticks. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden they seem to break. Six weeks to two months in constantly. So p- parents are are spending an ungodly amount of money on 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 this sport. and it's just wrong. I think it's wrong.
2: Part of the problem is they keep making them lighter and lighter and thinner. and that's what happens, right? There's a couple slashes, couple shots, and they break. I think what they should do is and and I'm gonna do a little plug here for Warrior because for some reason, in my experience, the warrior, the kids who are using warrior. Those sticks seem to hold up longer than the other companies. I don't know why that is. I don't know if they're made a little thicker or stronger, but I don't know why they can't make a youth stick. That's maybe not as light, make them a little bit heavier. That that doesn't mean they're super heavy, but reinforce the shaft and reinforce the blade. So they, they last longer because, I mean, my kids just got a, they wanted this, this new Bauer stick and I picked this thing up. I couldn't play with it. I liked having a bottom heavy blade just so I can feel the puck, my hands a little bit. And this thing is, I mean, so light. It was crazy. I'm like, this thing ain't going to last. I know it's not going to last. There's no chance.
1: Yep. Yep. Just a
2: toothpick. An absolute toothpick. Yeah. So...
0: I will uh I'll tell you guys this. I just outfitted my little guy for two sports, soccer and basketball. He got and everything, ball, brand new basketball, soccer ball, cleats, shorts, shin guards, two pair or uh brand new pair of uh basketball shoes. I mean, limited edition LeBron's, everything all in 380. So
2: Something yeah, I mean, bad. that's by soccer is, you know, soccer and basketball. Every kid can play it in their backyard. Yeah. You, you don't need any sports. tools. Those you can get a pair of
1: hockey socks for that and a roll of tape.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. and, and and the other thing is the helmets. I mean, I we just went and bought new helmets. I had no idea. I figured a helmet is 80 bucks, 100 bucks, Right? That now was they're a
1: what, 400 <laughs>
2: It's like, there's helmets for 650 it's it was so like a stupid. spider web in there. I'm like, yeah. no. It's, yeah, it's, damn sport.
1: It's, it's going for a shit. I'll tell you that right now. All these companies should be ashamed of themselves. Wow, yeah, maybe. Who the-
2: knows? I, I haven't seen you know Bedard uses now to share wood. Right, those were PD's old wooden sticks. Obviously, they're not wooden now. They're one pieces. But I haven't seen any at you know pure hockey's. But we have around here. I don't know. I think you guys have pure hockey too, yep, right? Yep. Yep. But I haven't seen any Sherwoods and those. So I'll be interested to see what youth sticks the Sherwood bring out. You know, is that their angle of, of coming back into the game with one pieces that are more affordable? Who knows?
0: Van, thanks for the time today, man. It's awesome. Good being as back.
2: Missed a you of, guys. So a lot of I'll people were
0: worried that the new uh, San Jose gig might interfere with the ATW appearance. No,
2: no. I mean, I'm still waiting for my hat. But maybe I gotta put in a little bit more episodes and then I'll get one.
0: Rivs is in full control of the apparel, man. There's oh, I'll our, never get it then. There's our CEO. <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76.